My name is Alex Barthet. I'm a board-certified construction lawyer here in South Florida. Today, I'm going to talk about three release tricks you need to know about um, so that someone doesn't pull the wool over your eyes um, as you are exchanging a release for a check. So let's run through it quickly uh, of what we're going to go over. We're going to talk about uh, trick number one, using the wrong form of release. Uh, trick number two, not using a conditional release. Trick number three, using the wrong through date on the release. Let's get started. Um, using the wrong form of release as the first problem that I see many folks make uh, as they exchange a release for a check. So let's run through uh, a series of releases so you can see what they look like and you're aware uh, of the issues that each release presents. So the first thing you have to be aware of is uh, where you are in the pecking order of a construction project. So if you are the GC, um, you're going to be looking for different things than if you are a subcontractor. We'll talk about both here in a minute. Generally speaking, you want to give a narrow release um, when you get a check. So when someone's handing you a check and you're going to give them a release, you'd like that release to release the fewest number of rights possible so that you preserve the greatest number of rights possible. Now, the converse is true. If you are um, giving a check to somebody and you want them to give you a release, you want them to release anything and everything under the sun so you don't have to worry about that being an issue, any issue showing up later in the course of the construction project. Um, so let's take a look at the basic form of release. That is the release that's found in Florida Statute Chapter 713. So this is a basic release form that's found in the statute. This is a progress payment release form. So let's run through some of its component parts. So number one is the amount of money that you're getting. Uh, so here you would put in $8,000, $50,000, Next is going to be the through date. What is the release date that you are giving up your rights through? Um, those are the basic components of a progress payment statutory lien release. Um, and all it releases are your lien rights. Notice the very last sentence that says this waiver and release does not cover any retention. Um, so all the retention that you're holding over the course of the job, those are that's still reserved. Uh, or labor services or materials furnished after the date specified. Um, so that's why the through date is so important. Uh, and we'll talk about that a little bit later. So let's look at a statutory final release payment. Uh, release. Um, it only has one real section that matters, and that's the amount of money. Again, whether it's $20,000, $50,000. But notice it has no through date, and it doesn't have that last sentence, which has the reservation for retainage and work or materials after the date. And, the re and it also has no through date. And the reason is, is because this release is good through the date you sign it. So if you sign the release today, um, it's effective as of today. So all of your rights, all of your lien rights are extinguished from today back. Um, if you show up on the job tomorrow 
you'll have new lien rights for tomorrow. Um, but at least as far as today back, you will have given them up. Um, if it's dated a week ago, then then that's when the release rights are uh, extinguished through. So now this one, this release looks very different than the last ones. This is not found in the statute. This release form uh, is what would be considered a, a custom form of release. And the first thing you'll notice, obviously, is it has a lot more words. And if you are picking up a check and giving a release to get that check and, and your release looks like this, and it, it probably does, you need to read it carefully because you're giving up a lot of other things than just lien rights. So let's talk about each of the component parts. So number one is $10. Uh, we'll, talk about, uh, we'll talk about that later and why that's uh, important. But notice what it is giving up in this release as well. Any and all claims, change orders, works, materials, delays, fees, costs, losses, expenses, damages, uh, or sums uh, for the labor services or materials furnished to uh, and for the improvements described below. So notice that the statutory release form only releases your lien rights. This form is releasing anything and everything uh, that you may have uh, as a possible claim, delays, change orders, um, any work uh, or materials done, and it's all effective prior to uh, and including the through date. So if you say to yourself, well, this job is running long, I'm going to um, make a claim at the end of the job for my extended general conditions and, and, and overhead, uh, but you're signing releases like this every month, just know that every month when you sign a release like that, uh, like this, you are giving up those rights. You will not be able to assert them later. So it's very important that when you're signing a, a broad release like this, this is a broad release, um, you have to be very careful. If you are a general contractor, this is the form of release that you should be getting from your subs because you want to know that every time you get them a check, effective through the through date, all their rights go away. Um, if you are a sub and you're getting a check and having to give a release like this, which is not uncommon, it's quite common, um, you just need to understand what, you're, what rights you're giving away. So staying on the topic of the form of, of partial and final release, um, if you agree to a form of release in your contract, then that's the form that you're bound to accept during the course of the project. So if you're a subcontractor on a project and you sign a contract and that contract is going to say um, one of two things about the release. Number one, it's going to say you agree to use the release form that's attached as exhibit, um, you know, Q on, on this form, on, the, on our, our contract. Because if you agree in your contract that every month you're going to get a, give a partial release on that form, that's the form you have to use. The other way that general contractors or owners get you to sign releases um, that you may not want to once you actually have to pick up a check is they use words in the contract like you agree to use the form of release that is deemed acceptable by the general contractor or the owner. So if it attaches if, if it attaches a form of release, you need to review it. If they make reference to the fact that you're going to agree to use whatever form I say we're going to use, then 
then you need to identify that as you negotiate your contract and negotiate the form of release that will be part of your contract. So just like you're negotiating other components of the contract, hopefully you are, you want to make sure that you identify the releases and uh, in the contract and, and change them so that you're not bound to use them later. Okay, trick number two, not using a conditional release form when you are giving a release and you don't have a check yet. So let's talk about what a conditional release is. It is a release on any form, but it has a condition. And that express condition is that it is not effective until you receive the payment that's recited in the document. So the language you could use is, notwithstanding anything to the contrary, this waiver and release is con uh, conditioned upon and not effective until the undersigned receives paid funds of, and it has a blank. And, and you could put in $50,000, $100,000, whatever it is the check, whatever check you're expecting to receive or money you're expecting to receive, you wanna make this release expressly contingent on actually getting the money. The reason this is important is because if you give someone a release that is not contingent um, on actually receiving the money uh, and they pass that on, so let's say you're a supplier and you provide a non, an unconditional release uh, and then you give it to, let's say you're an electrical supply house. You now give that to the electrician who gives it to the contractor who gives it to the owner, um, but you never got your money you only got maybe a, an email copy or a fax copy of a check that you thought was coming, but it never arrived. Well, that release is now effective, at least as to the parties up the chain, because they have no reason to know that you didn't get your money. So we have a client right now who's a drywall contractor. Um, he has a contract with a GC who has a contract with an owner. He was promised a check. And based on his long-time relationship with his contractor, he gave a release based on a promise of a check. That check never arrived. So we have now been forced to send a letter to the contractor and the owner saying, you have received a release, and we never received consideration for that release. So therefore, that release is void and unenforceable. Um, we have yet to hear back from the other side, because that letter just went out yesterday, on what, they're, what position they're gonna take. But if they've already funded the contractor based on our release, we're gonna be in a tough spot to, to suggest that the owner didn't have the right to rely on that release. So it's absolutely critical that if you are giving a release um, without actually getting a check, that you make it conditional. Watch out for releases that are titled conditional but are not. So sometimes we see a release that says conditional partial release, but then when you read the document, there are no conditions in it. So it needs to specifically say what the condition is, which is you actually receiving the money. The fact that it, the title says conditional, but the body doesn't means it's not conditional. And you must indicate the amount of money that you're actually expecting to receive, because if you, um, put in $10 as the condition, well, if you get $10, then the condition's satisfied. So you need to specifically say, if you're expecting a $25,000 check, that the condition of this release is when you receive paid funds of $25,000. Finally, with respect to conditional releases, 
as a general contractor, you need to be careful about receiving and paying against uh, conditional releases from sub-subs or suppliers to your subs. So if you're a general contractor on a project and you need to pay the electrician, if the electrician gives you a conditional release and you give the electrician the money, that release is good because you've now satisfied the condition on the face of the release. If there was ever an issue, you would say, well, the release is conditioned on receiving $25,000. Here's the canceled check for $25,000. Condition satisfied, the release is good. But if the, if the electrician has to give you a release from their supplier, and that supplier's release is a conditional release, you don't have a direct ability to control that condition, right? So you write a check to the electrician, he gives you a conditional release from him and a conditional release from the supplier, but then he never pays the supplier. Now the supplier puts a lien on the job, makes a claim against your payment bond, and you say, wait, I have your release. And they say, well, it was conditional and I never got the money. And you're stuck. So what do you do as a GC when this happens? Um, you have two choices. Choice number one is to require that they fund the supplier or otherwise give you an unconditional release from the supplier. Option two is to issue a joint check. So if you are presented with a conditional release from a supplier that is not in direct contract with you, you can say to the electrician, okay, electrician, I owe you $25,000. I'm gonna issue a joint check, 20 to you, and five to the supplier and you as a joint check. Um, therefore, I know that that condition on the supplier's release is satisfied. So be careful with that if you're a GC to make sure you don't fall into that trap. Next, using the wrong through date on your release. Also a big mistake that we see happen uh, all the time. So then the question is what through date should you use and what if the through date and the payment amount don't match? So the through date is the effective date of the release. So it can be signed today, but have a through date of two months ago. Um, if you recall in the presentation, that was the little box that had the through date. So I can sign the document today and say that the effective through date of this release is um, April 5th, um, March 9th, uh, September 1st. I can make it any date that I want. Know that the through date is going to control over the payment amount. Let me repeat that because it's very important. The through date is gonna control over the payment amount. Sometimes we have clients that say to us, well, I, I submitted a payout for $100,000. They gave me 75,000 of it, so therefore I'm entitled to the other 25. I mean, because I submitted a payout that said 100, right? And the answer is if you've signed a release in exchange for that 75 and the through date is the end of the month, when you were expecting 100 but only got 75, well, guess what? You just released uh, $100,000 worth of your rights in exchange for $75,000. So what you need to know is that if the through date and the payment date don't match, then you need to change one of them or both of them, but you cannot accept it as is. So we have a client who's a plumber and they were doing work for a general contractor. Um, and it was a series of, of uh, uh, specific items over the course of several months. They wanted to make a partial payment against the total balance, which was $80,000. Uh, 
um, but they wanted the through date to be the last day he did work on the job. Well, the, the, our client, the plumber, recognized the problem and said, well, I can't take a partial payment and give you a release that's through the end of the month. I can give you a release that matches the payment. So if you only want to pay me 50, I need to now change my through date to match the period of time that $50,000 represents. So if $80,000 gets me to the end of the month and $50,000 gets me to the 22nd of the month based on my how I did my work and my billings on the job, then that's what I have to change the through date to. So if the through date and the payment date don't match, then you need to make a change uh, to one or both of them. So those, those were the three tricks that I see on a pretty regular basis, but I would suggest to you there's one more, let's call it a bonus tip that is a question that I get all the time. Why does the release say $10? Um, I'm not getting $10. I'm not giving them $10, right? What, why, why do I need to have a release that says $10? So let me explain what a $10 release is and why it, depending on wh when it's given and, and who you are in the construction process, change. $10 releases are valid if you receive any type of consideration and sometimes even if you receive no money. So let's talk about when a $10 release is no problem. You shouldn't think about it twice. You're a subcontractor on the job. You've sent your notice to owner uh, early because you've signed the contract, um, but you're still waiting to, to show up on the job. You really haven't done any work. Now that the owner and the contractor have your notice to owner, they need a release from you, but you don't have any work. You haven't done anything. You haven't submitted any bills. Issuing a $10 release at that point is perfectly fine as a sub, right? It, it's going to say, we're going to pay you through, uh, we're going to get a release from you because you issued a notice to owner. It'll cover a month of time and it'll say $10 because I'm actually not giving you any money, but I still need a release from you. So that's a, an, a, a situation in which a $10 release is, is perfectly fine. If you're getting money, however, right, if I'm a sub and I'm expecting a check from the contractor, let's say it's $25,000, I would like my release to say $25,000, not $10. Um, if I'm a contractor, right, if I'm giving money and getting a release, I would always like it to say $10. Um, and the reason that if I was a contractor, I want to say $10 is that I don't want any argument later when the contract, when the subcontractor comes to my office to pick up the check or I mail it to him uh, or her and they say, wait, you only sent me 20,000. It should have been 25. If the release said 20 or 25, well, that's the consideration that was given. And if they're claiming more money, um, they may have an argument to say that you shorted the payment. However, if the release says $10 and you gave them 20 and they wanted 25, you would say, it doesn't matter because I gave you consideration that you thought was adequate. I said $10, I gave you a $20,000 check, the through date is the end of the month, we're done. So if you're a GC, you would like to have all your releases to your subs and suppliers say $10. Um, it avoids a possible argument in the future that you shorted any payment. If you're a sub, I would suggest that what you'd like to try to do is 
scratch out $10 and put in the actual amount of the check that you are expecting to receive, right? So if you're if you're got your release, you're expecting to receive $25,000, you show up and they only have a $20,000 check, um, you know, now we have a problem. I was expecting a $25,000 check. That's what my release says, but you only gave me 20. I didn't get all of the consideration that was uh, due to me to give you a release for this through date. The only other time that we see that a $10 release is acceptable is when a contractor may not want the owner to know what they're paying to the subs. So maybe a contractor has a lump sum contract with an, with an owner and they don't want the owner to be able to run through all of the releases, add up all the numbers and realize, oh my gosh, I can't believe the contractor is charging me so much more than he's actually paying for this work. So they may want your release as a sub to be $10 so the owner can't add up all of the amounts associated with the, uh, the project. The way to deal with that if you're a sub is to issue two releases, right? I will give you a release that has the amount on it. You're going to give me that money. And then once it clears, I'll give you a subsequent release and it'll say $10 for the same period of time. You can hand that to the owner if you want. And obviously you don't want to make any releases conditioned on $10 because if you only get $10, then the release is satisfied. <clears throat> 